Welcome to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, and I'm along with my co-host, Tyler. And you know what, Tyler? You weren't on the last podcast because, you know, I was like, I just did it because, you know, you're busy. You were kissing babies. You were, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff, you know. Oh, being yeah. A, hey, got a new job, by the way, man. Being a man of the people, you, you, got, you got a new job. Like, this guy's, yeah, yeah. This guy's on a freaking roll right now. <laughs> and it's like... I was like, I'm not gonna break up the momentum, so I was like, oh, you know what, I'll do it. No, and then I was good. like, and then I was like, we'll get him next week, you know, because obviously I was planning to do a podcast this week anyway. So, and then um, yeah, it was it was funny because like I was like, man, this shit's like it doesn't sound as good without like Tyler like trying to make me look dumb. Well, hey, <laughs> I, uh, I'm here now, man. The season's over. My Jared Goff, hey. my my little Jared Goff hater. Hey man, golf for president 2024. Oh, that's, uh, let's go. Look, um, overall, man, happy season. Um, so, seeing what you know these other quarterbacks and stuff, just starting it off, man. I, I want to ride. I really, I've, uh, I hope we do a stalemate and we don't necessarily uh, extend or get rid of golf. I want uh, us to ride out the last two years of this contract, and I hope that the other team does too because. He gets paid enough to where he's comfortable and have can can have a fantastic um, life with his uh you know super ugly supermodel girlfriend um, and all his money and whatever you know he can uh, he can have a great life but uh, you know look I don't want to have to give him a raise uh, to forty forty five million yet but look he's making thirty three and thirty thirty one million these next two years let's ride him out on this contract see if he'll uh you know let uh, play on these last two years without asking for a raise and uh, yeah we'll see what happens but. Um, I am super happy the way the season ended, it, man. You know what's going to be interesting? What happens with Daniel Jones? Because if what happens with Daniel Jones could be what Jared Goff's contract could be. Daniel Jones, ah, man, that guy is something else. It's like he's shitty, but he's awesome at like the same time. It's like the it's weirdest he, thing it's, ever. it's it's the it's the ultimate like, oh my god, like he's not that good. And then you're like, oh, you know that's pretty that's pretty good throw, or <laughs> right. like you're like. Okay, like maybe I'm gonna eat. Or he'll take off for a seventy-yard run, and you're like, right? The the guy, he just has that that it factor, and there's nothing really. I don't know what it is about the Giants, and we were talking about this pre-show, like these teams that find these guys out of nowhere. Like, you go down the list of Giants quarterbacks. Like Eli Manning was not the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Oh no, but he got it done. But but, But somehow he beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. Like, Phil Simms wasn't the greatest quarterback of all time, and he won a Super Bowl. Like, Daniel Jones could be that next Giants quarterback that, like, he just catches lightning in a bottle. Like, uh, it's weird. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff from those teams that, that Detroit doesn't have the luxury of having is that big market, man, right? So, the New York, right? Everyone in sports or, or movies or anything, they that's why, like, there's always buzz every year about the Jets, the Giants are, like, the Mets or the Yankees or the Knicks, like getting well, the, all these guys. Listen, because the, the, Nick, the Knicks, the Knicks don't need any praise because they are absolute gutter trash. Well, you know what I mean, though. But that people like every year they have these rumors. All these people going there because it's a huge market. Oh yeah, so, like Kevin Durant's I, going. I, Kevin Durant was going yeah. to New York Knicks and Kobe Bryant's going that, to New York Knicks and LeBron's going to New York <laughs> Knicks. Okay. The 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 Detroit never has had that like media like you know. um glory and like oh my god the just gushing of the love and the media for detroit right it's always 
It's always been the underdog. It's always looked, you know, kind of looked down upon. It's always been viewed as trash or, you know, you know, hood or, yeah. or hectic or crime ridden and, and, you know, just has a bad rep because, you know, of the crime rates and stuff. But look, man, Detroit is on the up and up. It's a beautiful city. It's got beautiful people that live there. It's one of my favorite cities, man. And, uh, you know, I think that people are starting to see that and it's on the up and up and it couldn't be better. Like, let's just start off on that. It couldn't be better for the state of Michigan and for the city of Detroit, man, that like the culture's changing, the views are changing. And um, I think that it's so weird because people don't realize it, but tell me if you agree with me or not on this so much of the culture and the identity and of the things of these major cities actually intertwines with sports a lot. Like, and it's really like, odd to see but it's really cool to see too because these sports teams start doing different excuse me acting different acting better being different having a better culture having a better attitude being in the community more having more outreach doing more charity getting star players like the culture and vibe the culture and vibe of that city it starts to like encapsulate it and emulate it and it just starts to change it's like it's sort of weird but sports play such an integral part of society that a lot of you like non-sports fans don't even really consider it. It's something I think is really beautiful about sports. So yeah, well, that's you know, kind of my you, little fun take on that. You, so a lot of people like I, I deal with this on the rubbings podcast a lot. Like these people, like, like you look at these, all these Detroit teams that were good, right? Like you look at the bad boy Pistons, there was a grit angle to them. Like they were just mean and nasty and they, you were going to get your ass whooped every time you played them. The going to work Pistons, every time they came to play, you knew you were going to have to earn every freaking point that you were going to get. Even the 04 Lakers went, try to go in there, try to play, you know, glamour ball. And the Pistons said, hell no, you're not winning this shit. We're going to beat you down and you're going to have to earn it. And they didn't. Then the, the Pistons won that championship. All these, these Detroit teams that have won championships, it all starts with one thing and one thing only. They have this like grit angle to them. Like, 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 Dan Campbell preaches, which is weird because the Lions have never been that way. Like, they've never had, like, a gritty kind of tenacious kind of relentless team, you know? You look at the Red Wings when they were good. When the Red Wings were good, they played defense. They were tough to play against. You didn't want to play them. They were just technically sound, and they would always make you earn everything you were getting on the ice. Even though they had the, the star players, Still, every time you went out there, you you knew you're going to be playing a tough, you know, a really tough yeah. team, and that's the same thing you, with the Lions. Like they're starting to earn an identity, where you go to play the Detroit Lions, you're going to have a tough time because they are going to bring it every freaking time, even when they're not in the playoffs. They just come in and they just say, "No, but you're not going." So let's let's just end it here. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, man, is we are developing an identity. And it's like this season <clears throat> this season was such a, a roller coaster and it just showed so much about us, like I talked about in the last pod that I was on, is just is just, you know, overcoming adversity and, and being different. And it's like it's just exciting because for the first time ever being a Lions fan pretty much my whole life, I actually feel like things are changing, gears are turning. We have the right like it was always something, right? It was always like, hey, look, we don't oh, – our, our offensive coordinator kind of sucks or our defensive coordinator kind of sucks or our our coach kind of sucks or, man, the GM just didn't draft the right guy. What the hell? Or, right. you know, are we – or this player stinks or is 
Um, you know, we have bad O line. We have a bad yeah, run game. We have a bad special I, I teams. Feel like, for the first I, time, I feel like it's getting complete. Yeah, I, f- I feel like the Lions and their history, like they've always relied on star players, and we were talking about this pre-show too. Like, you look back at the Lions, like Barry Sanders, they relied on him to win games, and it wasn't sustainable. I mean, they had good players, but like they just didn't have the right mix of players. You know, you look at the like the Calvin Johnson and Stafford years. For years, it was just Stafford and Calvin playing three hundred with each other. Like, okay, Calvin just go long and, and, and jump higher than the rest of those guys. That's basically what it was. Yeah, they have, I mean... They didn't, was... have, they didn't have a run game. They didn't have a defense. Like, it was just... It was hero ball. Like, oh, we're going to go out score teams. And that's not the way it works. Yeah, I mean... Um, and that's the thing, too, is it's like, have we ever really had, like, a, an identity? Um, you know, have we ever really had something that you know, we could look at it as a, for once, it's like, man, we actually have a team that's playing as a team. We're not, and that, that encapsulates Detroit. That is Detroit being yeah. a team, having a good team, playing team ball. And it's like, dude, we um, ha- have like the perfect mixture and set of guys um, that like just are all about the team and just really love the sport and really have a lot of passion. And I think this goes to show brad and dan's evaluation of the man that's in the uniform versus just the skill that's in the man like we need the right guys leading these other guys we need the right guys in the locker room we need the right guys because how many teams are super good but you know their their star receiver or their star running back or star quarterback is just you know a baby or he's a diva i mean look at look at arizona that team is talented dude and they're picking him a top five that's insane. Well, it just goes to show you, like, if you don't have the right mix, if you don't have the right mix of players, and you don't have guys that are, you know, that are, if you got, if you have too many egos in a locker room, you're gonna get yourself in a lot of trouble. And I think what the Lions are doing is, I think that a lot of these guys don't have egos. I think a lot of them are kind of team oriented guys. I mean, obviously, the only ego- one I can slightly kind of worry about, man, in the future, and is Jamo, man. But I, I think that I think that Dan gets it under control. Um, I love Jamo and I love his swag. I don't think it's a bad thing, but man, I mean, you got you're complaining about not getting the ball. You're liking tweets about not getting any enough playing time. I mean, time. you know you're what? Flipping off the fans and I just, Lambeau, like, I, 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 you know what? I think that's hilarious. Like, I really do. Like, I, I think it's funny too. But I'm just thinking, like, I, I, I think that Jamo is like okay. Like, wide receivers are different. Like, uh, wide receivers are kind of like they want the ball in their hands, and, and especially if they know that they're good. It's just I know when we picked him, he had a different swag. Like he's and it's and I think it's good though to have swagger too. Like I'm no, not arguing no, myself I, too. I I think when you're a good player, like and you're not getting the ball or like something like that, like obviously you're gonna be frustrated. It, it, it's but just I, I can see how like a lot of guys they think like, well, he doesn't have the attitude of like Amin Ra or Jamal or Chark. You know, who get these guys who are very like humble and like Jamal's kind of like swaggy a little bit. Give, he's like, hey, him, look, like give him a year. On me. The one thing I will say about J- James Williams is. He plays some nasty ass blocks, and that comes. Oh, yeah. from, and that comes from the culture of that that wide receiver room. Like we're gonna be physical, and that's kind of you know where you know where that came from. That came from the Pittsburgh Steelers because Antoine Randall was a Pittsburgh Steeler, and for years they would just be like so physical with their wide receivers, like being blocking, and you know obviously everyone knows Heinz Ward and the way that he played. It's the same thing that you could see, you could kind of see with Amon Ross St. Brown. Like he's kind of like a little 
Heinz Ward in him where he's got a dog and I'm really it's funny that you say that because a guy that I kind of thought that would fit kind of cool with this group uh, I think his egos will lie too but a guy I kind of thought would fit with this group was George Pickens but he's kind of a bit of a yeah you know George you know George Pickens I don't know what it is about Steelers but they they draft a lot of diva wide receivers and they just make it work for a little bit and then they say, yeah. all right, we're well, not. That's, that's what happens when you evaluate the talent and you don't evaluate the character of the man. And I think that's something that confused people about some, like, uh, of the time, or, like, <laughs> the the areas in the draft where we got people. Like, people were like, oh, Josh Pascal, he's, like, a reach. But, like, look, when you and combine his skill and you also combine that with, you know, he played through having cancer. He was a three-time team captain. He's, like, a really good teammate. He's a really good coachable guy, like, I think they value all those things higher than they do necessarily, you know, the most flashy, like, obviously these guys still have to be good, but I think that if you had a guy that's 10 on the scale of talent, but he's got a four character and a four work ethic and a three for sportsmanship, but you have a guy that has a seven or an eight talent, but he has 10 sportsmanship, 10 character, 10 work ethic. They're going to pick the guy with the six or seven talent that tens out on the rest of the board versus the guy with the 10 talent and the four character. Well, I, always, I always go back to um, when people talk about like character and working hard and everything. I mean, you look at a guy like, um, like Thibodeau, right? I mean, kids, kids enormously talented, enormously talented, but like some of these question marks he had in the draft where, you know, he, some people thought he was a diva at a defensive end position, which, you don't want and you've seen it in new york i mean he was kind of a diva like doing the whole yeah i mean in snow angels while nick Foles is laying down with the right and then you could even say oh it, it's an accident but then he's up on the sidelines he's making sleep gestures and so, right and that's 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 where you get a little bit okay okay that's that's a little bit much but like you see with aiden hutchinson like they they wanted him because he really identifies what it means to be a Flying with Dan Campbell and that coaching staff, like Penn I Sewell is the same way. Like you've ever watched Penn yeah. if you ever watch Penn I Sewell on those all twenty twos, like the guy just wants to kill people. Like I don't know what it is. Like he has this, but, but, but it's crazy because I saw. Did you see the interview with Brad Holmes? Like he kind of started ch- uh, ch- like choking up. Yeah, he was like, yeah. He's like, look. He's like, I picked Penay. He's like, he was so like grateful he like called me and dan a bunch of times and said that he was so grateful and thankful to be in detroit and he didn't want to be anywhere else and he's very grateful for his like that his family you know um will be able to support the lions and he'll be able to take care of them and like he was just constantly like taking them and saying like he won't regret it and he's gonna work hard from every single day like just things like that where it's like that dude's mean and nasty on the field which you want but he's also he got so much heart and passion and he cares and he's a good dude and he like like that like I'm telling you, man, as we build these high-talent, high-character guys, like, we're going to build a well-oiled machine in, in Detroit, and it's going to – people are going to – players are going to take less to stay. People yep. are going to take less to come, and they're going to enjoy playing football here, man. They People that go, go for the Patriots, they don't like playing football, but they sacrifice their happiness to win Super Bowls where they used to. Yeah, well, Tom Brady was there. Well, you know what winning does. I mean, winning just is it's, – it's, like it's like the ultimate, like – yeah, I'll go there, even though I hate my life. You know, while I'm there, right. like, you know, it's like it's like it's like why people loved going to Detroit. Like, sell out for a, a, a ring, you know. With the Red Wings, like a lot of people love to go to Detroit because you know, like obviously Scotty Bowman was a Stanley Cup winning champion uh, coach, but like 
there wasn't like this hard like you got to do this like he allowed the players to be themselves you know what i'm saying and that's cute that's huge like those are di- those are how you have dynasties like i mean you look at nick saban and the reason that he has the dynasty in alabama is because he allows his players to be them themselves and unless they're being like jackasses then he's like okay that's enough's enough like just stop but like that's how you build that's how you build the dynasties like you have to have people that buy in and and if you have to have people that will, will be like i want to go to detroit like I, I, that's what that's what it comes down to like you in detroit you're not going to get these guys like that come at come to detroit because of the media market like it's not new york it's not la it's not dallas like you you gotta it's not it's you're not gonna get the media attention that you you may want you know what i'm saying there's a lot of people that go to lebron goes to la because la and the chance of like kind of getting together with movie talent and everything that's why he went to la i'm pretty sure he wouldn't yeah. i'm pretty sure he wouldn't have left cleveland if that wasn't the case but that was on his mind and that was one of the you know one of the ways that he went there and sometimes that could be a bad thing because you get those guys that don't really want to be there but they're there because of the city you can run yourself in a little bit of a pickle but it, you know it's it's funny because yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned it though about the guys taking less money because this week we posted on the page um this is one of my sources so I'm going to just out myself kind of thing but like, he's talking to someone, and they said that Brad Holmes was uh, he, he was he's getting all these guys into the uh, into the office, and he was saying like, listen, we want to have you back. Some of the players, he was like, we want to have you back, but you got to understand like, if we can get a guy who is like gonna help us win, we're gonna do it, you know. And like, I think what John Kaminsky did, Isaiah Bugs did, and Alex Anzalone did. Where they said, okay, if you get those players, if you get a guy like, for instance, like if you get a guy like Javon Hargrave, for instance, or a guy like Levante David or James Bradbury or, Jim, you know, anybody like that, a big name free agent who, like, could help this team win next year. All those guys said that they would, like, take less money to fit back into the picture. I think that's the thing that you that people need to realize. Like, in that post went hog wild and there was some media outlets that didn't give us any damn credit which was stupid as hell because we found that out first but like i i just that speaks volumes to what this team is like becoming and like that's that's really that's really good to hear because you know you don't want to have players go oh well i i just want my money like that's all i want you know if players are buying in and like you even said you even seen with ben johnson like the guy could have been a head coach, and he came back to Detroit because he thinks that they're building something special. Yeah, um, you, you see what I'm trying to say, great, though. Dude. Like, like that's that's what you that's how you build a champion. Like when we talk about the Red Wings when their dynasty, people took less money to come back to Detroit because they wanted to win, and they felt like this was a culture that was long term sustainable because of the coach that was in the in the place. You see him with the Pistons with. Chuck Daly and Isaiah Thomas, like they they built a culture. Of, we're gonna be tough, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, the Pistons dynasty was a little bit shorter than the Red Wings, obviously, because the Red Wings went 25 years being in the playoffs and being contenders. But it's the same thing. Like you 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 love to see these guys 
buy into the program and say, like, listen, if I got to take less money to come back, I'll do that. Yeah, and, and the thing about that, too, man, is, like, you know, you're talking about this culture changing and these guys taking less money and our coordinator staying. I mean, there was no one that was begging to come back when Patricia was here. No. There was no one begging to come back. No. or There was no one begging, you know, um, some people begging, like, Terrell Austin to come back. For the most part, people weren't begging Terrell Austin to come back or Jim Bob Cooter to come back or Joe Lombardi. Jesus, don't remind me of those days. Um, someone made a joke about, um, yeah, could Dan Campbell reunite with his New Orleans, former New Orleans uh, staff member and bring back Joe Lombardi to replace Ben Johnson? Just a little bit of a joke there on Twitter. I'm like, dude, I literally, I would just launch myself out my window. Um, but no, like, I I have a feeling if he did bring, if he did, if you brought Joe Lombardi and I think he'd be a good QB coach, but we already got a good QB coach. So that's, but, but, uh, but like just going back to showing that true culture change is, 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 it's going to uplift us in a lot of ways because you're like you said, man, that like you to get guys to stay and buy into something is a big deal, especially your coaches who Ben Johnson was the betting favorite for three different coaching jobs. He was the betting favorite for the, like that's for the Panthers. He was the betting favorite for the Cardinals and he was the betting favorite um, for um, the Colts. I think the Colts. Yes. The Colts. Um, But the thing that, that is special is that, um, you know, those guys can be able to say like, look, man, um, you know, I turned it around in Detroit and I saw Pat McAfee had a great bit on this um, on his show about saying like, look, like you can be the one on your resume to say like, I was the guy that turned around the Detroit Lions offense. I was the guy that helped bring the playoff wins to Detroit. I was yeah. the guy that helped lead Detroit to the Super Bowl. And if he was, he's saying it's true. He loves the guys here. He loves the culture. Um, that's really that dude. I don't think people are putting enough weight into that. There any other staff or any other year, dude, you're a head court. You're, you're a, you're an offensive coordinator for the Detroit lions. You would be sprinting towards a head coaching job without looking back. I mean, you're talking about getting a job where you make easily 34 million, 30 or $40 million during the, the length of your contract yep. or sometimes more. Um, and you're talking about something where you can cement your own legacy and run the show and hire your own staff. But Ben Johnson being calculated, now he can sit back and he can learn again. He can build again. He can leave these guys something. And you know what? I got the feeling that Ben Johnson is the type of guy where if he knows he's going to be leaving next year, um, you know, maybe they do bring a guy that can replace him. Maybe he helps teach uh, Tanner Engstrand, um, our current tight ends coach. Yeah, passing maybe in coordinator. He, uh, yeah. yeah, and passing in coordinator. Maybe he coaches him up and, and teaches him a little and shows him some of, you know, what is in his mind and why he calls things the way he does and when he does, you know. And, and we can have a coaching tree where, you know, we just continue to prosper and develop and we don't, you know, when someone leaves, we're not looking like, you know, we shit our pants. You know what I mean? Like, and it's yeah. just, it's just, I just can't say enough, man. It's such a great move. It's such a big move. We have play, players begging to come back, coaches staying. Detroit, man. It's, it's, it's amazing because, like, you know, I don't, I, I never expected this from, you know, the, the Detroit Lions because usually they, they're always in their own way. 
But there was one guy that I was talking to, and he's a he's a guy who has been you know covering the Steelers forever, and he literally told me like he's like I think you guys got your own Chuck Knoll, you know Chuck Knoll. He started that Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty, and he he said he said you know even if you talk to Chicago Bears people, like they say like Dan Campbell reminds me of Ditka. Or Chuck Knoll, like those are the greats of all time. Like you, you get compared to those guys. Like that's not a small kind of feat. That's like a they're comparing you to some of the greats of the coaching profession. And I think with Dan Campbell, I think that he has an opportunity um, to be one of the best coaches in Detroit history, Detroit Lions history, uh, because the culture he's building is really special and. This guy that I was talking to who, who's covered the Steelers, he thinks that there's like six to seven guys on this staff, on this staff that could be head coaches in the future. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I, he named he named Ben Johnson, obviously, Aaron Glenn, obviously, because those are two guys that are pretty – they're pretty well-versed in the way that they coach and everything. But he mentioned Deuce Staley. He mentioned Mark Brunel. Uh, Kelvin Shepard he mentioned. Tanner Engstrand he mentioned. Like there's a lot of guys that he mentioned, like that. Listen, those guys could be head coaches because they get some. Like Kelvin Shepard, like he's he's a he's a dude. Like Deuce Daly, he's a tough dude. Like he, you go into the locker room, he's gonna command respect. Like he's obviously a former player. A lot of these guys are former players, so they can go into a locker room and be like, "Listen, I know what all you guys go through, and it's okay." Like I, I it's like Dan Campbell. Like he knows what these players go through, so he's gonna he's gonna give them the leeway. Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, it all starts here. It all starts at the beginning stages. And, and we're still in the cute flirty phase, right? I mean, <clears throat> let's just say it's great to be in this position where we are right now. But, uh, you know, keep an eye out for these things because if these things keep following and these things keep happening and this keeps improving, I mean, you're, like we've always talked about, like, this is how you set yourself up for sustained success. That's it. You know, this is how you know this is how you stay a franchise. This is how you get, you know, your guys like um, you know, Kevin Colbert, you know, who stays the GM for the Steelers for 22 seasons because yep. he you know, you build a perpetual winner and you build a well-oiled machine. Yep. This is how you get this is how you get, you know, your Oh, look at um, the look at the Pittsburgh Vince Steelers. Marty's your 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 you know, your Belichick's your um, your Tomlins, your, you know, your Sean Payton's, like you let them grow and build. And next thing you know, like we're, we're, a, we're a spot, we're a destination, man. We're a team. We're, look we're, at a, this, we're look a at thing. This, look at the Steelers and like, look how many coaches they've had in since like the sixties. Yeah. I think what, four, three or four, four three or four, something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. They, they had, they had power Tomlin, um, no. Chuck Noll. Yeah. And it's I think like, that's about it, dude. I can't recall the last the, the other coaches, but it, it just goes to show you, like, if you're a good organization, like, you can keep this thing rolling and, and for long-term success. I mean, like, we don't <laughs> no, like – Don't get it wrong. These coaches weren't fired either, man. They got tired no, and they retired. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Cower, Cower got a nice job with uh, CBS and, like, he's doing his thing. And Tomlin, I think he's going to go on his own merit too because, listen – the two hottest teams going into the playoffs that didn't make the playoffs were the Lions and the Steelers. And there's, oh, yeah. and there's no doubt about it. If, if, if the Steelers got in the playoffs or the Lions got in the playoffs, there was no team that wanted to play those two teams because they were, first of all, their coach tremendously well. 
they really played well down the stretch. And the second thing is they finally started to come into their own kind of way, you know? Well, and, it's, and then we're unique too as a Lions because we have seen teams with grit. We have seen teams with talent. We have seen teams with discipline. But we have we seen teams with – All of them combined? With, 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 with talent, grit, discipline, and fun and respect. Like, like – we're, have we create? Are we on our way to creating the perfect environment for an NFL player? I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. You look at an NFL player like they're that's that's something they're going to be interested in, and that's like you look at all the great organizations. That's what they do. Like they create an environment where they're winning, and it's. <laughs> and I'm it's, getting to the point, man, where it's like I always was super critical of the GMs, or like you know, I, most of us play armchair GM. Right. But I'm getting to the point where it's like, dude, I don't even know if I want to anymore because I'm like, I already know that Brad Holmes is going to do the right thing. He's already earning that level of like blind trust where it's like, whatever he says is going on. I'm like, all right, cool, sweet, that's a great move. I've <laughs> like, I've I've officially put Brad Holmes in the same t- territory as Stevie Y. As a general, yeah, man. just just because, like okay, I trust because, you. Do what you do. Cool. You literally, you literally go like this. You go, okay. I might not like what's going on right now. I might not like the draft pick that you picked, but, but I every know, time, dude, it proves wrong, I, dude. Yeah, but mean? exactly. But yeah. I know, I know, right. I know that you, like, no, like, <laughs> right. like I'm like, after a couple times where you doubted the guy, and then next thing you know. You get Malcolm Rodriguez. You get you know Moritz Sider. You get Lucas Raymond. You get yeah, James, James, James Houston. Houston. It's like it's like okay, okay. I'm I'm done. I trust you. Whatever you want to do, cool with it. Like well, I, and too like like look and also guys like don't sit and think that like GMs aren't allowed to have, allowed to have failures. Like look like Levi O. He's a bust. Like he's so far he's kind of a bust. He's just right. hasn't played. He's um you know there's guys that. They, there's going to be guys that he just swings and misses on, you know, Tyrell Williams his first year, um, oh, you know, I, signing. I, that's, 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 per, that's, that's part of the, you got to know it's part of the job, you know, it's, it's part, part of the job. job. You know, you're not going to be perfect. I think like the hit rate on draft picks is like 40%. I mean, last year's draft class, like you could say that like Brad Holmes. We had like nine, star- they had like not eight, like eight starters drafted. Or Brad, the last Holmes. two drafts, we had like nine starters drafted. Right. Brad Holmes goes in the last two drafts and has nine starters. Okay. Okay. I Okay. That's cool. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, I'm not really gonna question you. Like, obviously, you're gonna have draft picks that aren't gonna, you know, amount to anything. Happens, but when like you can get guys like Mel Rodriguez in the late rounds, Amra St. Brown in the late rounds, James Houston in the late rounds, like, okay. Well, you know, it's funny is how many people like you could say guys like, oh, it was easy to draft guys like Panay Sewell. Well, how many people were like, wanting us like how many people were like not wanting to draft Sewell because they wanted Jamar Chase or you know um one of the Jalen Waddle or one of the flashier well, names you know here's the Which thing I think Ty- Waddle went to pick, pick before us but yeah it, it, here's the thing Tyler this is what people got to understand like it's so easy to pick first and second round picks like it just oh, is yeah. because you know more about them than than you know you're supposed to know it's it's another thing to go through the third and seventh rounds and and get studs, like it just is. Like you, you yeah, look at, exactly. you look at the you look at the way that the Red Wings built their or their dynasty. Like Zetterberg and Datsuk drafted in like the eighth rounds. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys that you just get that like if you could draft guys late in the draft and they become something, 
you're a pretty good GM, and you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of success. So that's that's exactly what that's exactly what I'm getting into. Well, and another thing too um, is it's just like it's year three and year four, man. Like it's gonna be a big year, so you know, keep your eyes peeled and see what really happens because um, that'll make or break a lot of teams, man. But I think that we're uh, ahead of schedule, yep. and I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, something I'm really excited about this year um, is looking uh, looking forward to this off season with yeah. some of the free agents and looking forward to, um, you know, potentially looking at some of these guys for the draft. So, um, you know, I know that we're going to probably break that down on a, on a segment for our free agents and uh, for our off season outlook with some of the free agents and some of the draft picks. So, um, you know, if you want to kind of lead that off or, you know, yeah. So, so in the next segment, that's exactly what we're going to get to. I'm glad you, I'm glad you got it because that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. Like, what do you want to see from this off season? And like, what do you want to see from like the draft picks? And like, is there any draft picks? Cause I, yeah, I know you've seen some of these crazies that, uh, for some reason they think that we're going to be drafting Anthony Richardson or, um, like I, I don't know. I don't know what these people. Yeah, Will Levis, CJ Stroud. What? I, I don't. I don't know what these people are smoking. Like Anthony Richardson. Like, okay, Levis, Stroud, and Young. Okay, if you want to mock us to them, okay, fine. Because like I think they're all going to be pretty damn good. But don't start with this Anthony Richardson. Don't start with these quarterbacks that like they're nothing. But we'll get to that in the next segment because I think that's going to be a great segment to talk about. So um. Yeah, I think we're gonna do that in the next segment. So, if you just follow if you're in the podcast, just follow it over. We're gonna have the sound of Dan Miller calling a touchdown, and then you'll hear us blabbering about what we want to see this off season. Caught touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it! Welcome back to Detroit Lions News Podcast. Tyler, Joe, we're both here. You know, Tyler was not here last week because you know kissing babies getting new jobs this guy is unreal but (laughs) (laughs) but oh man we have to get to our our off season kind of what we think we want to happen and what we think could happen and tyler you kind of wouldn't let me know so i want to know what you have to say to the people yeah um so to break start off uh, the segment i'm gonna break down some some free agents and some uh some kind of wish list guys that I think will make the drafting process a little bit easier. So I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying it's pretty much in my mind a guarantee or close to that we're gonna probably cut um, Brockers, uh, Charles Harris, and then it's kind of up in the air, but with like Vitai and the Aquara brothers. Um, but I know for sure we're gonna save and uh, shave a little bit of cal- uh, salary cap space this off season. Yeah, uh, I mean I mean it's got Brockers and Harris. It's, it's guaranteed, right? I mean. <laughs> but uh, pretty pretty close. I'll, I'll go Brockers, Vitai, and Harris. Those yeah, are the guys. Um, think, we're definitely going to free up some money. Romeo um, Cor- Romeo Cor is tough because you're going to owe him money, and it doesn't. If you cut him, doesn't matter when you cut him, you're still going to owe him more money than you're going to be saving in the cap. So that's not going to happen. So you're going to you're going to still get some chances to kick some cans down the road. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you. Absolutely. Maybe you could do. See, here's the thing: the Lions have a little bit of leeway with this because we we just talked in the last segment about culture and players wanting to be here. So you got two guys on the offensive line that have 
pretty big deals and they're starting to get into the meat of the money. Yeah, you could restructure. You definitely restructure that. You could restructure and maybe extend it to where like you're even in the money out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Decker and and right now, because I think they both want to be here. Obviously, I think Decker definitely wants to be here. That guy's that guy's a freaking yeah. Man. No, yeah, he's he's a beast, man. And, and, and um, so, yeah, exactly. So I think I think you could restructure some contracts, and it, I know Tyler. I think you're gonna hate this one, but here we go. Um. There is a legit chance I would give that the Lions kind of make a extension with Goff. I mean, I don't hate it really. Like, like I said, it's got to be they if they go, can structure it to where they like we don't sign a lot of guys, but right. we heavily front load Goff's contract to where like in year th- like two, like three and four, like he's making like his cap hits like 28, 29, 30 million. I mean, like I'm all for it. That's cool. Or, you know what I mean? Give. Even if the first two years you give them forty five and forty eight million, but then you shrink it down to you know twenty nine thirty, whatever. Even if you restructure it to where it's like flat, you know, like you know what you're 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 paying each year, that could be good. But like, I think there's a chance that they'd kind of like restructure his contract and kind of push money to. And that's and that's cool too. Like I said, because you know what, in the NFL, dude, I've seen somehow, somehow the Packers were. Five million dollars under over the cap last year, and they re-signed like three players, and they gave Aaron Rodgers fifty million a year. They gave Jair a contract. They yep. gave uh, they gave all these guys Darius Smith, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Preston Smith. Yep. Um, they gave all these guys contracts. So like, dude, when you kick the can down the road and you can restructure and you can re-sign, like, there's a lot you can do. So I do not hate that because I saw somewhere that. We can clear up anywhere from like six to ten million if we uh, like restructure Goff's deal and extend him. Yeah, immediately next season. Or or Decker right now is like I think you. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think if you restructure Decker, Ragnow, and Goff, I think what you could do. I think it pot. There was. I think it was right. We won't quote you on this, but like loosely. No, I think I think it was like around twenty-one million. Yeah. So yeah, and that's a big deal. That's a big that's a huge deal. Huge deal. And that, so, so some of the so some of the guys I'm looking at, man, is uh we'll get back kind of on the free agency topic. There's a couple guys I'm all for going through the draft and getting our you know, our key pieces and getting guys for the future, you know, not screwing anything up. There's a few wish list items I do have for some guys and I'm and I'm and I'm accounting into like um like cost and character and work ethic. Um a few guys that I'd like to see. I'd like to see them bringing some veterans on defense for sure. Um, a couple mm-hmm. guys on my wish list are uh, – so I kind of have it breaking down. I have a couple wish list guys I really want. I have some guys that I, I wouldn't mind seeing, and then I have some guys where it's like kind of a long shot, but like maybe, maybe not. Like I'm still up in the air. So right. the ones I want for sure is like I want uh, I want us to go get like um, a Levante David, a Deron Payne, um, or like um, – Pretty much those are, or you know, kind of like like a veteran corner, maybe like a Marcus Peters, um, or a James Bradbury. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't want to. And when I say those guys, like some of those guys might have some hefty price tags, so I'm trying to be conscientious of that. But I do want some veteran guys like that, whether it's in the secondary or in the linebacker or on the line. Um, and then uh, so, and then kind of my in between class where like I kind of want them. Um, but I won't be too upset if we don't make a move would be like um, Deion Jones, um, 
you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, Deion Jones, maybe like Jonathan Jones, um, you know, Devin Bush, maybe. And I say that very loosely, maybe because he has not been good the last couple of years. Right. But if you get like a, a real, like a low prove it deal on a guy like that, um, you know, you get, you get a couple veterans, maybe like, um, you know, a James Houston, Melvin Ingram, um, someone that can just kind of show the younger guy, like, kind of what Brockers was supposed to be, but actually bring some production to the table. Um, and then obviously I got some, you know, dream guys that I don't think we'll be able to snag because I think they'll get re-signed. Um, and those are guys like, uh, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, Jesse Bates. Um, I, I, a wouldn't, guys like I wouldn't rule out Tremaine Edmonds. I think that he could be a guy that the Lions could go get. But I, I see that you're kind of taking this path of where, like, um, you got a lot of guys that you think that would be, like um, – well, like, the biggest but, ones on my radar that I really want is Duran is going to be Duran Payne, um, Levante David, and Deion Jones are kind of like my top three. Okay, so here here's here's where I here's where I stand on on, on free agency. So like, I'm not going to be big on signing guys who are older guys. Like I'm just not. Like Marcus Peters, right. he's 30 years old. Like I'm I'm fine with that. Like I'm I'm it, that's like okay. I'll, I might shoot the shot at that. But if I'm looking to be like conscientious about their about their age, about their production. So here's who I would go with. The defensive tackle I would go with, I think that you can get you can nag both of these guys and they're both different. And one of them has ties to the Detroit Lions coaching staff and that's David Anyameda from New Orleans. He's 30 years old. So mm. and uh, he can he can his market value is 9.3 million, but I think because he knows the coaching staff, I think he you can you can get him at a cheaper price, um, because right. he he knows what he's getting into. Another guy is a guy who played in Minnesota. He's not going to re-sign with Minnesota at all, because they don't have the cap room to re-sign him. And that's Delvin Tomlinson, the defensive tackle. It, you gotta love Deron Payne, though, right, man? You gotta love Deron Payne, though. Listen, I, I do like Deron Payne. But twenty five years old, but he's gonna be asking for a bag, I think. That's 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 the issue, the bag, you know, the money. It's it's that's the only issue. Like Dalvin Thomason, his market value right now is eight point five million dollars. Well, yeah, eight and a half million, yeah. So nine point three and eight point five, I think you can kind of maneuver that. You mentioned linebackers. And I know a lot of people they love yeah. they they love Levante David. They know him by name because he's a he's a name brand, you know what I'm saying? Um I got a guy who is not a name brand, and he plays for a really good defense in the AAFC. And it's not Jermaine Edmonds. It's not, you know, these guys that you would think I'm going to name. But it's Jermaine Pratt. He's the middle linebacker for um, he's the middle linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he's just – he's a guy – I think he could be a total steal if you get him at his market value. His market value is, um, I think it's seven point two. Yeah, seven okay. is seven point two million dollars. He's twenty six years old, so he's got a lot of tread left on his tires. You know what I'm saying? He was a he's third round a twenty pick. million dollar market value on Javon Hargrave. Holy! I know. Yeah, that's that's gonna be crazy. Wow. So, yeah, Jermaine Pratt, like the seven point two million dollars. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Seven point two million dollars for Jermaine Pratt. That's that's a kind of like a under underlying kind of signing that you 
it's going to pay dividends because he's 26 years old. If, if you, you look get, at if you can get some guys that are like younger and you can get them for like six to 12 million a year for a defense premium position, that's good value. I like that. That's seven and a half million for that guy for Pratt. That's a good value. That's good at value. And then you know another guy that I've 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 really I've known a lot about in um because he he played in Tennessee for a while, and that's Rashawn Evans. And he's a he's a former Alabama okay. he's a former Alabama linebacker, but his 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 market value he is. He kind of had that B word. He kind of had that B word uh, running around him a little bit for a while, didn't he? What you mean? The, uh, the old bust. <laughs> yeah, people were saying he was a people were saying he was a bust, but like I watched him at Tennessee, man, and he wasn't he wasn't a bust. He just played in a he defense. He just wasn't the guy that thought he was gonna. He wasn't gonna. Thought he was gonna be. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, so he had unrealistic. He, there was time, he, there was times where he played really, really good, and then there's times where he kind of really didn't play that great. But the last two years, I mean, like he's like last year he was injured, so Tennessee didn't offer him a contract, and Atlanta did. He had 159 tackles this year. He played 98 percent of the snaps, which that's what you want of, out of your your linebacker. Two sacks. Right. I mean, he, he was he was pretty damn good, and he forced a fumble. So, it, I mean, if you can get a guy at four point five million dollars and 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 kind of put him in with Anzalone and and Malcolm Rodriguez and Derek Barnes, I think you could really have a really good defense. And if you get Jermaine Pratt, that's even better. So, that's what I would be looking at for the linebacker position. And like, what do you think, about a, what do you think about a cheaper guy like like a Sheldon Rankins on maybe like seven or eight million? See, Sheldon Rankins, I think he'd be a decent get you know what i'm saying but yeah i don't hate it either i think i think you want to go it'll be interesting you got a guy like lee mcneil next to him you need a guy who's going to get to the passer and one of the things i one of the things i like about david anyameda is he was one of new orleans best players last year and without him they their that defense would have looked a lot different and he was really they they kept him over sheldon rankin's so that tells you a lot, and 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 obviously Aaron Glenn and Dan Campbell know this guy because he played for New Orleans and he's been a New Orleans guy for his most of his career. So they know exactly what this guy is all about. And then you know, let's go for the cornerback. Like the corner, this is a this is a tricky situation. I always tell people, like you you kind of don't want to make like you said Marcus Peters, and like I like Marcus Peters as a player because he's such a He's such a red ass, you know, like he plays, he plays so freaking mean, dude. Like I like that, but like he made 14 point, he paid $14 million last year and his market value is freaking high. It's, it's, right. it's 9.8 this year, but listen, I think he, I think he's going to be signing back up with Baltimore because I think they have a good situation going. But if you're looking for guys that could potentially be like underwhelming signings that people don't really, um, they really don't understand. Let's take Jamel Dean. I think this is a guy who from Tampa Bay who matches the Dan Campbell personality. He's a he's yeah. a he's a tough ass dude. He played injured in the playoff game. Like he was he was injured, injured. And Buccaneers are gonna be in a little bit of a spot where they're not gonna be able to pay him. Eight point seven million dollars you can get him for. Over a three-year contract, you can get it for twenty-six point two million dollars, and that would be well, really, that, that, really good. Well, and that's why, like, I think there are a slew of guys who we could actually make a run for that are, um, that are like 
some high risk, like low risk, high reward guys that yeah. I think we could really spin the wheels on because our our guys are booty anyways for on the defensive end or on the uh, the in the secondary uh, side of things. A couple of guys that I'm uh, and I'm kind of looking at is is you know you could very well see some lower contracts from guys like Sean Bunting, Greedy yeah. Williams. Sean Bunting's um, from here too, so he can come back. You know, to, he can come back. Sidney Jones, um, yeah. you know Jamal Dean. I mean, these are guys um, that you know you could t- kind of take a flyer on that aren't necessarily bad at all, um, no. but maybe they need a change of scenery. Like I said, I mean, I, like a, a Sean Bunting, um, Greedy Williams, or uh, Dean or Jones. Like I like that stuff like that, man, because I think we're kind of in a position for it, and it might be an area that we could kind of. Um, you know, help revitalize some of these guys' career a little bit. I mean, sure, yes, I want James Bradbury and stuff, but man, his market value is you know eighteen million. Yeah, I mean, right. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to spend that right now. I mean, you uh, know, you know Rocky Sin would maybe be nice, but I mean, his another, market value is about eleven million. Another guy you haven't mentioned, and I think that you need to. I think a lot of Lions fans need to kind of get on this train. He's a Dan Campbell guy too, and it's Cameron Sutton, the kid from Pittsburgh Steelers, who he's a third round yeah. pick out of Tennessee. His market value is at seven point six million, so you can get a steal with this kid because he's a really good player. And listen, when you get to these points where I always tell people the best free agent acquisitions aren't the one that you pay a bunch of money for. You know how many times have we how many times have we seen the Detroit Lions go and throw money at guys and it doesn't work out? Like it's just it, it, it turned Trey into Flowers, total, Desmond Trufant. Right. It turned into total garbage. Like Trey Flowers and Jamie Collins. And uh, you can go back to Damian Woody. Like, if you look at all these free agent classes, like, very rarely when you spend as much as you do that it really impacts the team. Like, Jacksonville might be the, the, the team that's, like, different, you know, about that. Like, last year, I spent right. a ton of money and, and, and it paid off. But, like, I also think that's part of the. Well, they also have, they also have, they also have a Super Bowl winning coach and they yeah. have a, they had a generational think, quarterback I, prospect. I th- yeah, I think Doug Peterson really put that team over the top. In my opinion, I don't care who you signed in free agency. Like I think Doug Peterson was just going to be that guy. So yeah, and one Trevor Lawrence took a big step forward. Oh, too. I know. That's what I'm saying. But you know, you give Doug Peterson Trevor Lawrence, who's a once in a generation type quarterback. I mean, he made Nick Foles look good. So he made Carson Wentz look good. So like. If you can make Carson Wentz look as good as he he did it for a minute, where he was a MVP looking guy, um, you're a pretty good head coach. So, kudos to you. But yeah, I yeah. I, don't, I don't believe in paying all these guys top notch money, because I think like if you do that, like I don't think Brad Holmes is gonna do that because one, I think he's really conscientious about the cap. I think one of the things that Brad Holmes kind of, is gonna kind of uh, think about is like down the line if you are a player away and let's say you go out and you make a Rams type trade where you go out and let's say you go out and you get a guy like Jalen Ramsey like the Jalen yeah, Ramsey you get your Stephon Gilmore you know yeah, you yeah or or you get your guy like um let's say you go out and you get a guy like let's say Jared Goff isn't working out right and you throw picks at a guy like down the line, maybe Justin Herbert or someone like that. You know what I'm saying? Like someone where you don't expect to be available that comes available and it can help the team in a huge portion. And I think that's what Brad Holmes is kind of saving some of his capital for. So that's why I kind of go with these like cheaper options and cheaper yeah, options. Yeah, plus it's like, 
And cheaper options doesn't mean that you're 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 being cheap. It means that you're being conscientious. That like you're gonna have to, eventually you're gonna have to, eventually you are gonna have to pay Sewell. You're gonna have to pay Hutch. Yeah. You're gonna have to pay Amra. So you can't spend all the money at one time. I mean, it's like it's like the age old quote like uh, you, you you send your one friend to the 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 um the casino and he has like he has like four grand. And he comes back with ten grand pretty good job and you send your one right. guy you you send your one friend there to, to the casino he's got four grand too but he comes back in a hole like what right. who would you rather be in that situation i think that's what brand holmes is like kind of he's kind of maneuvering well and, and, and what i see too is the perfect storm in the nfl and, and it's it's a constant like you're never content, right? Because you're constantly thinking of the future. You're trying to think of ways you can constantly stay, you know, good and, and, and stay competitive, but also like you're always conscientious of the cap and your situation in the future. It's crazy because I love football, but it's like, dude, it's like you can almost never be content and happy in the moment because you're always thinking about the future, which that's just sports in general. Yeah. But the perfect storm is consistently getting, um, consistently getting veterans on great deals that have high productions and free agency. And then also like consistently hitting on your, like your late round draft picks, really all your draft picks, especially your late round draft picks, because you're trying to get the, the, the graph here you're trying to get is how can I get the most production at certain areas for the least amount of money. And then when those positions come up for renewal, you either can choose to, you know, if it's the right guy, uh, and, and you just have to pay him, you either repay that guy and you give him some money and you do the same thing to some other positions, or you kind of let it be a, do a carousel thing and you get another veteran that's a little younger who has can get good production for a cheap price. And then you get guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round the next year in the draft that can, you know, give you best value, like production per dollar. And so you know, that's why something this free, like a lot of these free agencies, it's right. Like these teams that go throw all these bags at these players, it's like, yes, it sounds good, but those teams are only good for a short amount of time. And they usually open their window for a very short amount of time. Once Jacksonville has to pay Trevor Lawrence and Travis ETN or just even Trevor Lawrence, it's over. Their championship window is done. Yeah, like, they're, you they're, know, they're, so you have, you to, have to be conscientious of that. You would have to, you would have to be like Patrick Mahomes where like, it doesn't matter who is yeah. on, who is on your team. Like you can get them the ball but, and make them look good. But but, you, but you've got to have that value meet your production, meet your dollar. And so, like I want the re, that's and that's my argument and reasoning to you about why I do want a couple of veteran guys, just because um, you know I want to keep the rotation of getting depth and getting good production per dollar for some of these veteran free agents. But and also give the 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 rookies and the youngins a little bit of time to learn and adapt and you know figure it out. So um, I think we're in a good spot. I think we're in a good spot. I, I think the Lions are in a good spot where they can make these decisions <laughs> and and not be hamstrung by like oh we need to get this guy because we're not that talented. Like I think that they have like running out and getting Trey Flowers for ninety five million dollars was the worst thing that we did with Bob Quinn. Like, okay, listen, we only, were not ready for that. We didn't just, need that. Let's just, let's just start it with this. The only reason we went and got Trey Flowers is because Matt Patricia needed his butt boy to come to, to Detroit to kind of, this is the guy who's going to bring the Patriot way. Like that, that was the reason right. that, that it happened. And like you brought Trey Flowers here and this guy sucks. 
Like it's kind of like every Patriot defensive player that comes from New England. Like they well, leave. yeah, and then that, Jamie Collins too. We gave him some money. It's like, <laughs> look, there's right there. You spent a hundred and forty million dollars total between those two guys. Um, hundred thirty million, whatever it was between the two of them, and you got the same amount of production that you could have got from guys now in the fourth or fifth round or on a super cheap veteran contract, bro. James Houston, who's making one uh, less than a million dollars a year right now, um, or a million dollars a year right now, is making better production than Trey Flowers ever did, and that guy got paid almost a hundred million dollars. So your your production dollar per value to you know ratio, I think Brad Holmes recognized that and sees that, and that's what's going to put us over the top. That's like one of those underlying like statistics and kind of advanced like um, contract statistics that you're looking for and i think that's one reason i think we're going to stay good for a long time like if once we reach that level yeah no i i totally agree with you and i think that like man it's it's so key just to like not really get um put down by you know signing a guy and and him being a total boss well there's guys that deserve the bag like make sure it's worth it like no if you're gonna spend a hundred million dollars make sure it's rocon smith no, I mean, yeah, Roquan Smith. I mean, even you know what? I'm gonna say something, and I think people are gonna get upset about this. I'm never paying a guy like Roquan Smith a hundred million dollars. Right, and I, I, yeah, I, I don't just, think it, I, it, I think our defense set up to be fine with just, I just without guys. Like here's that. the thing: like inside linebackers, like they're starting. Unless this guy can cover tight ends, and he can, he's a, he's a. All, like a guy like Fred Warner, that's a guy I would give a hundred million to. I think Fred Warner oh, yeah. in San Francisco is freaking phenomenal. I think he's better than Roquan Smith. But like you look at a guy like he'll, he'll be getting a huge bag. Like uh, let's say Hutchinson, let's, let's say the next couple of years he gets 13, 15 sacks, and and you're paying this guy a hundred million dollars. I'll definitely do that. Like yeah, edge, sure. edge quarterbacks, edge rushers, um, corner, corner, corners to a tackles. Fall. Yeah, tackles. Obviously, your offensive linemen; those are those are pretty big. Um, obviously, you want to stay away from wide receivers making a hundred million dollars because, I mean, unless they're like the best in the league, like you don't really want that to happen. Yeah, you, the, the, you can get guy, you can replace those guys in the draft, and you know, fairly easily. It just it's it's funny because the running of, backs you don't want to give the yeah. bag to running backs. No, I think running backs. That's the one. If you, see, here's the thing, dude. Like. I don't know what I would do if I was a New York Giants fan. Right? Like, I, I, I really don't know what I would do because, like – See, they're in a position where that oh I God. think, personally, they have to pay Saquon. Like, they have to. See, like, that's, like, that's like the ultimate conundrum because, like, you're like, should I pay a running back? No. But do I have to pay Saquon? Yes. And you're like, oh, <laughs> right, my God. Right. Like, what do I do? Because, like, Saquon is, like, the only running back I really pay, to be honest. Well, and well, we've seen, like, we've seen the team without Saquon, and it's just not good. Like, there's a couple guys that deserve – dude, there's just – there's some game-changing running backs out there. Like, I couldn't – I don't fault the Panthers for, like, giving McCaffrey the bag. It just sucks that he got hurt, Um, you know, kind of frequently those next following year or two. But, like, sometimes, dude, you're just in a spot where you just – you need to pay that guy, and it's like there's no other choice. Like – the Giants, if they don't pay Saquon right now, like they're just like they're that's they're they gonna their screw identity. their whole team up. It's gonna screw that, their whole team up. See, that's that's exactly what I worry about. Like, if I was a Giants fan, I'd be like, "Holy hell! Like, what the hell do I do?" Like, if like, I'm, I'm so happy that we didn't build, we haven't built oh. our identity of success on top of like a non-premium position like that. 
I am so thankful for how Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell is actually running this team. I'm not trying to sound like such a like gawker, you know, on the like. No, you're right. You're you're like, you're right though, because like I'm so thankful for it. No, I mean, imagine imagine you had Saquon, or let's oh, let's oh take, yeah, we, let's, let's let's take it back. Let's say DeAndre Swift was like Saquon, like. Yeah, we ran everything through him, and like without him, our success is not fucking right. The same, like you have it, to. It just... you, you, when you when you get to that situation, dude, like you're in a put you're put in this ultimate like kind of like should I do it or should I not do it? It's kind of like this, you know. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you like you think you you're about to get married, right? Like you think you have the one, but then you're like, no, she's kind of a bitch. Like let's be honest, right. and then you're like but she's but she's really cool like you know and then you kind of talk yourself into it like just not talk, the one but you know you, you talk like... yourself into this like this chick and and you know that she's not the one like you you know it's not the one like she well, like, but you've already got the plan you already got the wedding planner you already got the yeah yeah she, for, you, already got... you you know she's swiping on tinder in, in her free time but like you're like no i think she's one i think she's one and it's like, like i have to i have to marry her we got the right. planner we got the invitation sent out we pay and then, for dinner and then, pay for the DJ. and then three years later you get down the road she's cheating on you with the mailman and then you're holding the bag that's what happens right that's what pain and i yeah i mean and that can and, and that can very well what happens to the new york giants three years later from now they're gonna be like damn we're paying saquon 18 million a year well look look what the rams did look what the rams did <laughs> I right, mean, Todd Gurley, that set them back okay, some. Here's the thing. I I always I always laugh when people brought the the, the Todd Gurley made Jared Goff look good. If you have a running back like Todd Gurley, he's gonna make any quarterback look pretty pretty freaking good. Oh yeah, his, Todd Gurley in his prime was something else, man. But yeah. but when you when you talk about like when you talk about like that Super Bowl run they had, Todd Gurley was not the running back. It was Malcolm. Oh, Brown. it's crazy that they gave that guy with such a bad injury history. They gave they got they drafted him in the top five and then gave him a mega bag. See, that's the thing that I think Dallas is kind of learning too. Like they gave Zeke the bag. Well, well, what am I? Th- what I'm thinking too is like, are we finally? Our team's gonna finally learn their lesson with this stuff. No, or is it like it's just bound to happen because no. like with like you said with the Giants. Whoa, we're gonna learn our lesson. We're not gonna play Saquon, okay? But like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So like, yeah, because it, like, dude, there's only so many times where these guys can get these mega deals where people are starting to be like, actually, no, we're just gonna get another guy that's younger than you that has fresh legs in the draft. No, I think you're right. Like, but I think like Dallas is dealing with that right now because like they go like, like they look at Zeke and they're like, he is not the same player that we just paid, and then they go. But there's this guy named Tony Pollard, and he's pretty freaking good. You right. know, like it's like, oh my god, like you're just put into this conundrum. But but, but at the but at the time, Dallas was also in the same position as the Giants. If you don't pay Zeke, your team is screwed, kind of. Like you put your like, you put all your eggs in the basket, and it's like, damn if you, damn if you don't. And it's, it's the same thing the Panthers went through. It's the same thing the Panthers went through. It's the same thing that the, the Cowboys went through with Zeke. Um, and and then now you're seeing the Giants go through it. I'm glad the Lions aren't in that position. And it's funny because we mentioned the market value for the guys like Saquon and all that stuff. You know what the market value for DeAndre Swift is right now? Seven and a half million. Six point four. Six and a half. I was one off. I so looked at it the other day. So, so that's per, that's pretty good. Um, do you know what the market oh, yeah. value? You know what the market value for Jamal Williams is? Four and a half. Four one. So that's a pretty good deal. Like if I. Oh get, yeah, dude. Hey yo, give me Swift on. I swear to God, please. 
Give me Swift on a two-year, two-year, thirteen million. Jesus, give me that all day long. Nah, give me Jamal on a two-year, eight million, please. See, and this this puts the question like, and we can get to this in the next segment. I really want your opinion on this, but and then that'll be our last segment. We pretty much covered a lot of stuff, but like, I don't know if you're if you're in the same position I'm in, but like, when you look at DeAndre Swift and you look at the running backs on our roster. Is it time that you start to think about bringing another run back in the fold from the draft? I'll let you think. I'll let you think about I'll, that. Yeah, I'll give you my I'll opinion you, on that next. I'll, next I'll let you think about sure. that, and then we can go into the next segment. And that's we're going to talk about the draft and what you want to see and what what court, what players that you don't want to see on this team because there's a lot of players that I listen. There's a there's a specific uh, media outlet out there that's pushing this stupid ass narrative of, and I'll get into the next segment. It's it's absolutely ludicrous but it's not surprising from them so we'll get that in the next segment all right welcome back to the detroit lions news podcast i'm joe and i'm with tyler we covered the free agent angle on the last pot the last segment and today we're in this part of the podcast tyler we got we got to get through some issues that we have to kind of get through so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a player that you would love to see the Lions draft first. Yeah, so um, we have two picks, so we have a lot to talk about because my topics are probably gonna bring up a lot of things that you want to talk about, and that's cool. Topics that you'll have are gonna want make me talk too. Um, I have I'm okay with a couple things. Um, some people are gonna get mad at me because we need a lot on the defense. Um, I am open. To, I am open to taking. Best player available at six and eighteen, which um, I have a list of guys. But I'm also uh, I want to get this out of the way. I'm also completely okay with trading six and eighteen, um, and like if we have to, like next year's fourth, and getting up to uh, getting up at number three or four to get Jalen Carter. I'm okay with that too. Um, yeah, I I I dude, that guy is a dog. He is a monster. If somehow, some way, he gets to drop, he drops down to third or fourth. I'm okay with sending some picks their way because I want to I want to get that guy. Second off, if we're playing the game that we're not doing any trades and we're just picking at six and eighteen, a couple guys that I really want at six. I almost hate picking at six because there's a ton of guys I want in the top four. Yeah, not a ton, but a few guys want in the top four. But then like the like six, it's like you can't overreach and get some of these guys because then you look like a dummy, and that, because they might be there at eighteen, it's just a weird spot. Um, but uh, a couple guys that I would take at six, uh, if available, are uh, Brian Breesey, um Miles Murphy, and um, that's kind of it, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I kind of want one of the. I need we need a good guy, uh, guy on the a line. I prefer, preferably Brian Breesey. I've seen a lot of ups and downs of him. I've seen some film on him. I like what I see. He's yeah. athletic. He's strong. A um, couple concerns. His injury um, you know, history. With his, his injury history. And then there's also some concerns that, you know, sometimes later in the game, his motor kind of wanes. Um, but I think he's kind of a Dan Campbell type of guy. Um, and then at 18, um, I really want a corner. And I want one of these three guys. I want Cam Smith, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, or Keely Ringo. Um, I've seen us mock to all three at that spot. I look up, uh, you know, pretty frequently I look at mocks. Um, yeah. So I want one of those three guys at 18. If for whatever reason, they're all gone and 
or I'm um, excuse me, I forgot one, Joey Porter Jr. as well. Um, if there's some way that four corners get taken by 18, which would be insane, um, a guy that uh, a couple positions I kind of be looking at would maybe be like a Trent Simpson um, yeah. linebacker out of Clemson, or maybe like maybe like a Noah Sewell, even though I'm seeing more of like a second second round grade on him. But that's kind of my idea. That's kind of my thinking. I'm definitely thinking defense. I'm um, you know I, I'm kind of stuck on that sixth pick. I would even be okay with trading down. Yeah. Um, if we do trade down, then we could possibly get, you know, a pair of guys. We could get like a Trent Simpson and a Noah Sewell and a Christian Gonzalez and a Joey Porter or a, yeah. a Keely Ringo. So that's like where my mind's at. So. So here's the thing. Um, I won't do what a certain media outlet's doing where I have 18. I have us getting a quarterback. And no, it's absolutely. Like, Hell no, dude. I, it's, I'm it's, the biggest it's, off. It's, an, it's, it, it's Anthony Richardson, dude. Like, I, if Hell people no. if people tell me one more freaking time that Anthony Richardson is a quarterback that it's, that it's going to be good in the NFL, I'm going to show you so much freaking tape that you're going to be like, what the hell? Who is this guy? Yeah, you, you just – it shows you that you don't watch football. Like, you don't watch Florida football because he should have went back to college because he is not ready oh, for football. He could have been a top – I mean, I know there's the the opinions of his draft stock are all over the place, but he went, if he went back to Florida and he had a killer year and and he just got better, he got better pass, passing, dude. Dude, there he, he could have been a top three lock. There, he, yeah, he could be up there with uh, uh, Drake May, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, and um, and I think the other one I think I heard, I forget the other one that I heard that was going to be a top three that might be a top pick, but yeah, if he went there, were, dude, there was a span of time where. Anthony Richardson, he had, I think it was forty-five straight incompletions. That's I. That's insane. That's holy I mean, shit, dude. Now you, now you could say, okay, you could say that maybe the wide receivers are dropping in or blah blah blah. But like, if you watch these games, like he was just airmailing these balls. If you do that in NFL, you're gonna get your ass whooped. So I'm not doing the Anthony Richardson thing. I know there's a certain media outlet that's doing the whole song and dance about let's draft Anthony Richardson because, you know, he's got a – he can run and he's got a killer arm. I don't care about the killer arm if he can't freaking throw accurately. Like, it's like the Jamarcus Russell thing. Dude's on his knees throwing 60 yards, but he can't throw a pass in a bucket to save his life. So here here's the thing. At six, I have, I have, a, I have, a, I have a few guys I would go to. And this one guy that I like, I don't think a lot of people know him. But they should, and if you if you look up his 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 game tape of like at Texas Tech, dude, I can only imagine sending Tyree Wilson out there, with Tyree Wilson, yep, James Houston, and Aiden Hutchinson. I think they would wreak havoc on backfields. You give me, yeah. you give me, you give me. Uh, a, he's a big dude. He's about six six, two hundred eighty pounds. Dude, he's, he's a, a huge. He, he's so freaking good, and like he played at Texas Tech, so he's not gonna get the love like. A guy like uh, Willie Willie Anderson's gonna get, but he's gonna he's gonna rock it up when that uh, combine happens because he's a freakazoid. Um, I like Tyree Wilson, and there was a I did a mock draft, and this is crazy because I you know it's before the combine and everything, but listen to this mock draft, okay? And I got it. It just it just it'll hit your um, it'll, it'll hit your love of the corners that we have twice. So at okay. at six they get Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. I think that would be great to pair with uh, Hutch and Houston, and now you're you're basically like 
okay, the quarterback that you're coming to, the quarterback that's coming to play, you got the, the Lions defense. Have fun, because you're gonna get right. your ass kicked. At 18, they have they picked Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. I think Joey Porter is one of the best corners. I like Christian Gonzalez too, but I don't know Joey Porter Jr. He just got a dog in him. I think he's more of a Dan Campbell type corner. To oh, be you got a good got a good pedigree. Got a good. I mean, his, Aaron his Glenn too. Aaron Glenn good. too. Like I think Aaron Glenn would love a Joey Porter because the way he plays the game. Just my opinion. Yeah. Then at 48, you go back-to-back corners. And this guy, he's – listen, we once drafted a cornerback from Mississippi State in the second round, and it panned out freaking great. And this Emmanuel Forbes kid from Mississippi State, he's a hell of a player. He kind of reminds me of a, a Darius Slay in his, in his college years. He likes, yeah. to, he likes to attack the ball. He likes to go after. He's, he's, not, a, he's not the most physical guy. Um, but he he plays a he plays a hell of a game. Like he just loves he loves to go after the ball and he kind of makes those big plays. And he played Mississippi State, so I, again, it's not one of those you know Alabama, um, Michigan type hype trains where like yeah he's playing for a name brand, right? Right. So fifty five and eighty one, we go back to back Iowa players. We go Jack Campbell, linebacker from uh, from uh, Iowa. I I think he's a freaking stud. I love Jack Campbell. You pay, you let's say let's say you take let's say the Lions draft. I mean the Lions sign in free agency. They sign uh, Jermaine Pratt. They draft Jack Campbell. They sign Delvin Tomlinson, David Animada from the defensive line. You're basically going into next year with a better defense than you've ever imagined. And at 81. Yeah. This is where you take tight ends, okay? You take tight ends in the third and second round. You're no, Dalton Kincaid? No, no. I got another Iowa tight end. It's it's Sam Laporta. Okay. Now listen, this is this is this is one of the things that Iowa tight ends get a bad rap of over and over. They always play with crappy quarterbacks. I don't know what it is about Iowa. Like the, their quarterbacks are so ass. <laughs> But their tight ends are usually so freaking good. I mean, we had an Iowa tight end here, TJ Hawkinson. He was probably the most overhyped Iowa tight end in a long time. But George okay. Kitt- George Kittle came from Iowa. Um, Noah Fant came from Iowa. Just to, they they're tight end you like they all they do is crank out these freakazoids at tight end. And and, right. usually, and Sam Laporta, he kind of reminds me of a George Kittle because he likes to. He's a physical runner when he gets a ball, so I like that. And to be honest, the guy got passed to by guys who couldn't throw a beach ball in the ocean. So if he can catch balls from those guys, he can, he can catch balls from Jared Goff. Um, and then the next guy I got is Jair Brown from Penn State to safety. I think you get another safety. You, you pair him up. You kind of do a three tandem with Kirby Brown. Uh, Walker when he comes back and maybe you re-sign Elliott. It, that would be a great. That would be just fantastic because then you don't have to worry about if Melifon was going to be the guy or. I had this in yeah, I had this insane mark. Um, I did a little while back. So like it's funny because like you know when I post like people post mocks or like you post mocks you talk about mocks and you're like oh my god like stupid that would never happen. It's like it's funny because I say that stuff every once in a while as a joke, but it's like you can't what like the other teams picking these mocks right so you're just trying to get the best team that you can right 
Um, I think this I think this one is unrealistic where I'm getting him, but I've got like uh, this little fun mock I did. I, I saved it with um, Jalen Carter at six, which I don't <laughs> think he'll make it past three. Um, Roy Porter Jr. at 18, Dalton Kincaid at 48, Henry To'oto, whatever the hell, at 59, yeah. Garrett Williams from Syracuse at 81, mm. um, email Ikior Jr. from Alabama, lineman at 152. G.I.R. Brown, safety at Penn State at 183, and Jake Moody at 193. Okay, so here's the thing about I'm not a big I'm not a big Toho fan. I'm not. I watched a lot of I watched. I just think he's got some dog in him, man. I I watched a lot of him at Alabama, and I just think that he's a little bit. He's not as athletic as the people think, you know. So. That's one of the things I worry about. But then, you know, let's get to the rest of that mock draft, though, because I got a steal for a running back in at 193. Okay, who we got? And if you, if you, um, if you know anything about Texas running backs, I know you didn't want to draft Bijan Robinson. I know you don't. And we'll get we'll talk about that in, 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 after we get done with this. But there's a Texas running back that's way uh, that is he's got NFL star potential all over him. But he played with Bijan, so he didn't get the he didn't get the shine. It's Roshan Johnson. Roshan, okay. Roshan is he's he's a physical runner, and the one thing about him he likes to blo- he likes to block. Like I I think when you get a running back, they have to like the block, or uh, you just can't use them. Like they're like, yeah 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 no for sure. And then you know I traded I made a trade to get two uh, second round um, two late round picks, and I got I went. Um, Jake Moody, 231, and uh, Tungo Valoa at 252. So you take a little risk with the quarter, quarterback at the end of it. Maybe it pans out. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. You never freaking know. But Jake Moody. Yeah, I mean, at 193, you don't have, I mean, who cares? Jake Moody and Ch- Chad Ryland. Right, we'd, we're going to need a kicker. I think that's painfully obvious. Like, you know, if you, you might be on freaking Mars if you think that, um, Badgley is the guy to lead us to a division title next year as a kicker because I, I really, I just don't have faith in Badgley and I, you listen to Brad Holmes comments about Badgley and you go, well, those aren't really flattering uh, comments, but he goes, you know, Brad Holmes goes, uh, the thing about Badgley is uh, he, he would miss some and then he'd be make the rest. You know, we would always hope that he misses one early so he can make the rest. Not a glowing endorsement. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. I, uh, I think Badgley's one of those guys you could, you could get, you could keep. If you didn't get a kicker, the one that you wanted, like you could roll with him for sure. Right. But like, if there's an opportunity, Moody at one ninety three, do it. Yeah, you get you get Jake Moody or Chad Ryland, like the the, the kicker from Maryland. He was a transfer from Eastern. That dude has a leg, like a freaking leg, a rocket. Like, dude's going to kick it. Like, he might kick it out of the freaking Ford Field. But, like, dude, that that was Chad Ryland. I think that he's, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, like, you look at the free agent kickers, like Mason Crosby, eh, Robbie Gold, he's older. Uh, Matt Prater is out there. Greg Joseph. The rest are just, they're. Let's be honest. There's not a lot of great kickers in the NFL, and um, you just got to find the one. So that's that's all I have to say. Uh, so 
here's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you, no, I, you, I, you, I, I, I want Jake Moody, dude, for real. Uh, Jake Moody or Chad Ryland would be my, my picks, man. Chad Ryland, that kid, he's so he has such a power. That's the Georgia game. kicker, right? No, it's the Maryland kicker. Maryland, Maryland. Yeah, go right. go look up him. Go look him up on YouTube. If if you if anybody's following the podcast, go look. Chad oh, that's a, that dude has a boot. I remember him. Chad Ryland has a freaking cannon for a leg. Him and Jake Moody are the best kickers I've I, I seen this year in college football. They never miss. They and and if they did, they it was because it was a tough kick. You know what I'm saying? But like, man, like they both have boots. Um. So, but here's the thing. Didn't he make like? Didn't he make like? Couple fifty-five yarders against Michigan or some shit. Yeah, that's the guy. That is the guy. Yeah, they they said he was warming up from the opposing forty, um, at Michigan Stadium. That's so, that's, he's, so he's nailing sixty or seventy yard field goals and warmups. Yeah, you know that's kind of like the Justin Tucker type thing where like if he's if he's accurate, like you're getting an all time kicker. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So that's what I look at, but you, you, so you said this, and I was kind of, we're kind of gonna kind of fight about this right now because you know we always fight on every podcast. <laughs> we always find one thing to fight about, and that was your, you don't want to draft B. John Robinson at eighteen, if, and I and I agree with you at eighteen, it maybe would be a little bit of a stretch, but I could, I could see why, um, Brad Holmes would do that, but you're totally against it. So, so I'm not uh, – I mean, yeah, I am. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going <laughs> to try to play both sides of this. Like, I think B. John Robinson is definitely the RB1 in this draft class. I don't think that's any debate. He's great talent. He would be killer behind this line. If, if Let's just say this. If Brad Holmes really thinks he's going to move at 18, I won't be, like, screaming at my TV. I won't be upset. Um, I don't think he will be available then. I don't think he will be in play for Brad Holmes even if he was available, just by, just by the way that – you know, kind of everything like um how he drafts and stuff. But no, he he's a he's a really good talent, and him behind this line would give us like that superstar um type of guy that we need that we were thought we were getting in DeAndre Swift. That you know he's just been super hurt. Right. Um, you know you you obviously you still keep Swift on the team because I think next I think he's still on the team for next year with his contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have uh you know. You could still resign Jamal if you wanted to as kind of like your power back, third down back. Um, but regardless, I mean, you add Bijan Robinson to this offense, and it is going to be an, an insane offense, like stupid, right? Like, I, I definitely get that. I just think that there's so much we need on the defensive side of the ball. If mm-hmm. you're talking about drafting a running back right now or trying to go find our new CB1, um, you got to go corner. Like, we – We've done enough to kind of get a, get around having some trash corners, but if you add a couple of really good or at least one really good corner um, through the draft and let him develop and stuff, like our defense, with the way our line is and the way that if we can get some guys to cover down the field, we'll we'll be a really good football team. So, all right. So um, here, here here's what I'm gonna say to you. Bijan Robinson's a beast, though, man. Don't get me wrong; he's a beast. Here's what I'm gonna say to you. Let's say, hypothetical, you sign a guy like Cameron Sutton and you sign a guy like Jamal Dean to the, the in free agency, right? At six, let's say you get Tyree Wilson, right? So you've, in, let's say for the defensive tackle, you sign David Onyemata and you sign Delvin Thomason. And you got Jermaine Pratt. 
let's say you, you signed all those guys. So let's say you go into the draft day. You made some critical signings on the defensive side of the ball with some guys that you think that could be long-term answers, like Jermaine Pratt. And, like, um, obviously you would get a defensive tackle later in the draft. But let's say you get to six, you get to 18, and Bijan Robinson is right on the board. And you got all these guys. Would you take a corner or would you take the the – the I mean, I would definitely the sex appeal of Bijan Robinson. I definitely, definitely be on the fence. I still think, depending on the corner, if there's a Christian Gonzalez or a Joey Porter Jr. or a Cam Smith or Keely Ringo sitting right there that maybe fell a few spots, I would have to say I'd probably still go corner just to kind of lock up my true CB1 for the future. But I definitely – um, if say – Let's say two of my favorite guys. Let's say Porter Jr. and, and Gonzalez and, uh, you know, are gone. Cause I, dude, I, I flip-flop back and forth on Keely Ringo so much. Um, it, I definitely would think about it. I mean, I don't see the downside. I, would be, I wouldn't be horribly upset, but I still do think that, like, we can probably find a guy with the way our line is and the way our coaches are and the way that we know how to develop players now. I still think we can find a really good running back in like the third, fourth, fifth round. Um, right. But but that's the same thing can be said with corner too because, dude, I mean they found Tariq Woolen in the fifth round. You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't. Dude, I wish that was I wish, that was one guy. I wish Brad Holmes would have. That like was saw. that was that was my draft crush, dude. Last year, I was. I wanted Tariq like a four three one or like a four two eight. I wanted Tariq Wollen so freaking bad. He's six four and he's got crazy he's a, closing speed. He's, he's a, a beast. freakazoid. But here's the thing. Um with the eighteenth pick, I, I leave it up to anything. To be honest. I, I I literally leave it up to anything. And people can call me crazy and they can call me stupid or whatever, but here's the thing. No, it's best player available at that point. I mean, it's I, best player available. Okay, let me give you an example. Let's say Quentin Jeff- Quentin Johnson, the, the wide receiver from TCU, who's six four and two twenty. He's on the board. Do you think about yeah, he it? Kind of gives me like Devontae Adams vibes. Do you think? Do you think about it? Because I think about it. Yeah, well, I think. I mean, at eighteen, I yet uh, you make a good point. Anything is possible at eighteen. Because and you just got to go best player available. Let's just let's just look at it this way. You if you drafted a Quentin Johnson. And you put him on the outside, and you put St. Brown in the slot, and you put Jamison Williams on the other side. Well, now these these freaking play these uh defensive coaches that are coming to play to the Lions, they are gonna have a hell of a time trying to defend all three of them. And you're not yeah. even you're not even talking about DeAndre Swift coming out of the backfield, or if you drafted Sam Laporta or Dalton Kincaid coming out of the 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 line. Dude. You're absolutely right, though. Look, at the 18th pick, you do go best player available. Like, dude, even even the people that don't want quarterback, if you have C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or Bryce Young fall to 18, which is not going to happen. No. But if it does, like – You think about it. Pick them and let them sit for a couple – You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, anything is possible. Like, if if some guy has, like, a historic slide, and it's not for anything crazy, right? Like, it's not for, like – a, a crazy crime or like a bad injury, like some reason people just let this guy slide. Like we see draft day slides all the time. Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be number one overall pick and he slid to 25th. Like you never, if it, you just, never know. If it happens, then like absolutely best player available. 
I, I just look at it like I know people sometimes get this this whole notion. I think Brad Holmes is changing it, but there's people that think like, oh, if you don't pick this guy in the first round, they're not going to be good. I mean, well, Brad Holmes has shown that that's uh, that's a lie. But like, I can look at eighteen and I can go, I can go wide receiver if Quentin Johnson's on the board. I can go uh, running back if Bijan Robinson's on the board because I think that there's this. This uh, draft has a lot of talent in the cornerback position. And I think you can eventually get someone in the second round that could really be a critical piece to you. So I'm not really, this 18th pick, I'm, I'm totally leaving up in the air to anything. And that's, that's how it's going to be. Like, I just don't, I don't see it any other way. Like, that's the way it's got to be. I, I accidentally had myself muted. I, uh, I was talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, I almost feel like that's the whole draft, though, really. Like, we're so depleted of talent on the defensive side of the ball, and, like, we're so young of a team, we're still figuring it out. Like, we could really just go BPA, best player available, pretty much the entire draft. Like, with some de- definitely some emphasis on a couple things we need to grab. But, like, don't be – this is the time for the Brad Holmes to, like, show us his balls, too, and be like, dude, don't be afraid to either go get your guy, let your guy come to you, or just take the best player available. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? If, if somehow, you know, the second round slides around and God forbid there's, you know, a guy like Quentin Johnson or, or B. John Robinson that is in your second round pick, like, dude, take him without a doubt. Like, just take take BPA at, at some point and just, like, this team needs talent. It needs an effusion of talent. It doesn't – yes, it needs corners badly – I think that if we got some quarterback or some cornerback talent, defensive back talent, and uh, another like decent linebacker like a Jack Campbell in the second or third, um, like we are gonna be a lot better, dude. But just from my subtraction, especially getting like Will Harris and uh, Mike Hughes and Amani Arwariye out of the like regular starting rotation, like we're gonna be all right. You know what I mean? Like it'll be all right. No, I, I totally agree with you, and that's, that's the way I look at it. I don't look at it any other way. And, like, listen, there's a lot of ways you can go in this draft, and there's a lot of things that are going to change between now and, and the draft. That's that's a first certain. But, like, I just – that 18th pick I, I leave up to, like, you never know what's going to happen draft day. And if the guy falls to you and this guy can make you a elite offensive unit, like an elite, elite offensive unit, you take him. Yeah. Like if Bijan Robinson drops in the second round, you're taking his ass because I don't care if you don't need a running back because I hear this all the time. Oh, we don't need a running back. We got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. So we got we got Mr. Glass, yeah. I mean. Right, right. I listen, I'm not I'm not thinking about next year. I'm thinking about years in in, in right. advance. So I, I'm not looking at just next year. I'm looking at like, okay, if if we can do this, maybe we can do this, and and then we can, you know, maybe we can save some tread on DeAndre Swift's tires, and then you know, when it's time, we can unleash his ass and not worry about him getting hurt. So that's what I look at. So I don't yeah. look at it. I don't look at it like these some of these people like we don't need a running back. Well, you know what? If you if if everyone followed that logic, the Seahawks wouldn't have drafted Kenneth Walker, and the Jets wouldn't have drafted Brees Hall. And guess what? Pretty good running backs. 
pretty good running backs. I, you, you could have made a case that Brees Hall could have won Rookie of the Year if he stayed healthy. So like, yeah. just cut the shit. Like you, you want these guys that are great players. Like you don't. I don't care where they come from, dude. You could take this offensive, this offensive, these the offense that you have right now, and let's say you add a Quentin Johnson, dude. You know how much better that offense will be. Like, can, oh, yeah. can you imagine? Or you add a Bijan Robinson, you're you're circle the wagons with Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and Bijan Robinson. Like yeah, you're holy doing good. hell, dude. That's Absolutely. that's what that's that's what I look at. And that's the exact we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about that in the future, but I felt this we had to with this podcast, we got a lot done. We talked about a lot of things. I think people are gonna enjoy the hell out of this podcast. And yeah, man, absolutely. It was great. It was great being on with you, man. As and listen, and we got a lot of we got more. a we got a lot of stuff coming for this podcast. We're gonna, it's only going to get better from here. It, oh, literally. we we've got a lot planned for the off season, and I'm excited to do. I want to do some really in depth on the clock mock drafts and uh, stuff as the you know the year year picks up and it gets deeper into the season, uh, yeah. the off season, and I, I, we're going to be eyeing this shit like a hawk, man. And then I went to. I went to two practices last year at Allen Park at the beginning of training camp and just the practices in general. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to, and I'm going to really be, we're both going to have our eye on a lot of things, man, this off season. So it'll be really, really cool. I hope you guys like enjoy our, you know, kind of our inside look on things. I think once, once the combine happens, I think we'll really get into that draft type mode, you know? Absolutely. But up until then, we'll kind of, we'll kind of go through some things that maybe people aren't thinking of. And then we'll do yeah, some man. stuff like that. But great show today, Tyler. And we're we're gonna we're gonna really kill it down the stretch because listen, there's a lot of people out there that have Lions podcasts and to credit to credit to them. It's tough, yeah. but but uh we've we feel we're we're one of the better ones. So we're gonna give you everything that we have and we're gonna give you the best content that you can imagine. Well good enough, man. It was good being on. What's uh Let's get it, baby. All right, so good content today. Listen, if you don't follow Detroit Lions News, you need to. We just reached 11 million people in the last month. So if you aren't following us, I don't know what you're doing. I don't even think you're a Lions fan. So follow us on Detroit Lions News on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we will talk to you guys in the next couple episodes. We'll have have an episode next week, I imagine. And – um. We'll probably talk about the, the the playoffs and what's going on with the playoffs and what surprised us. And we'll kind of relate it to the Lions in that way. But we'll see you guys next week on another episode of Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap. He's your other host, Tyler. Tyler, let's lead the people hey, out. All right, man. Take it easy, guys. We'll see you next pod, and let's, uh, let's have some fun with it. Welcome to the offseason, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun.